0: Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect, a podcast on mental health for folks of color. I'm your host, Zell Anderson, licensed professional counselor. I'm the owner of Panoramic Counseling, where I specialize in treating teens and young adults in Richmond, Virginia, and throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia through online counseling. Let's get into the show. Before we get into the episode, I wanna thank this episode's sponsor, Alitu. Podcasting is a lot of hard work, which is why I'm so glad that I found Alitu. Their user-friendly sound editing software has cut my editing time down to a third, leaving me the space to bring you more content. Shout out to Allegra, Judy, and the rest of their support staff who are always there to help me navigate the various challenges this podcast journey throws my way. To learn more about Alitu, go to the link in this episode's show notes. To get started with a free seven-day trial. Using my link also helps to support this podcast. Hello everyone. I am excited to get into the next series of episodes on this podcast. So I realized that since I did the Summer Book Club, that a lot of my episodes have been based on the books that I read. And I didn't know if that would be a temporary thing or if it would be like an ongoing thing, but the best way that I learn is through reading books. And I was just talking with a friend of mine yesterday, and I basically said how, you know, my, say, $15 a month subscription to Audible, in addition to having a library card, has pretty much taught me more than my six figures of student loans that got me my two degrees. So I definitely learn a lot through reading books. And I think that's kind of going to be the theme that I continue on on this podcast. I've gotten a lot of feedback from people saying that kind of getting the highlights from a book is very helpful. So I'm happy to share with you all the things that I've been learning. So uh, the next four episodes, I'm going to be talking about some of the principles that I've gained from Robert Kiyosaki's book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And as the title says, he basically talks about his financial upbringing and things that he learned from a young age, I think starting at nine. And he refers to his biological dad as his poor dad. And he refers to his friend's dad that was kind of like a family friend and mentor to him as his rich dad. So the interesting thing is that his poor dad had a high-level job with benefits, job security, and the poor dad also had degrees and education, right? His rich dad, however, did not have all of those same accolades but he had financial intelligence. So it's kind of interesting, the definition of rich dad and poor dad, because from the status quo, we would think that the, the person who is his biological dad that, you know, has the degrees, has a good job, has benefits would be rich. And the person without as much education would be poor but that's not necessarily the case. So as I was like mapping out the next few episodes, I kind of came up with some headers for each episode. So the first episode is going to be titled Not All Intelligence is Equal. The next episode will talk about the problems that we have with money. The third episode will be about our misconceptions and miseducation about financial intelligence. And then the final episode will be called Getting Out of the Rat Race. So I hope that y'all will stick with me. And while this book is a great wealth of knowledge, I will barely scratch the surface on it. So hopefully those headers help me to focus in and kind of give you some of the things that I picked up from it, but I would definitely recommend checking this book out yourself. And so talking about money is a touchy topic for people. And you may be wondering, well, why is he talking about financial intelligence on a podcast about mental health? Well, as a therapist, I probably currently have an active caseload of maybe over 60 people. And The common denominator in a lot of the problems that people face, and I'm not just saying my clients, but also I can look back on my life and see that the source of a lot of my anxiety was based in financial fear. It's a common denominator for a lot of people. So I would be really surprised if someone could make an argument that finances are not an integral part of mental health. So that's why I'm talking about it here. And given that the aim of this podcast is for folks of color. Historically speaking, people of color do not have the same generational wealth and lessons that have been passed down. So it's especially important for this platform to kind of discuss these things because historically speaking, we're disadvantaged on seeing generations before us do good things with money and build wealth for themselves. So Going to dive in with a quote that the author gives, and I think it's a good um, foundation to build upon. So he says, Proper physical exercise increases your chances for health, and proper mental exercise increases your chances for wealth. End quote. So I like that. You know, we go to the gym and we we exercise so that we can be physically healthy and what we do with our mind keeps us mentally healthy and behaviorally. Uh, I just mentioned not too long ago how much I love reading books. Reading books and learning new things is a way to exercise your mind and as a byproduct you hopefully make good decisions that kind of contribute to you having a holistic quality of life. So I'm going to hop in with some of the dialogue that the author has in sharing about his lessons that he learned from Rich Dad, which once again is the friend's dad, not his biological dad. And I'm piecing together little quotes that I highlighted, but it's going to read as just one narrative, and then I'll discuss afterwards. Quote, and I would say that life is the best teacher of all. Most of the time, life does not talk to you. It just sort of pushes you around. Each push is life saying, Wake up, there's something I want you to learn. If you learn life's lessons, you will do well. If not, life will just continue to push you around. People do two things some just let life push them around, others get angry and push back. Life pushes all of us around. Some people give up and others fight. A few learn the lesson and move on. They welcome life pushing them around. To these few people, it means they need and want to learn something. They learn and move on. Most quit, and few, like you, fight. If you learn this lesson, you will grow into a wise, wealthy, and happy young man. If you don't, you will spend your life blaming a job, low pay, or your boss for your problems. You'll live life always hoping for that big break that will solve all your money problems. So much of life is out of our control. I've learned to focus on what I do have control over, myself, and if things must change, first I must change. Most people want everyone else in the world to change but themselves. Let me tell you, it's easier to change yourself than everybody else. End quote. So there's a couple of things here that I want to reflect on. And my goal with this series is not to get lengthy and sharing a bunch of quotes, because I imagine hearing too much information from this book would feel like being bombarded. And so I'll leave that to the listeners going out and reading the book themselves. I personally really enjoyed the book, so I kind of binge read it. But for others, it might be something that you digest in smaller parts. Um, So my goal here is more so to give the highlights, what is most relevant to me, and then kind of to share my own reflections. So going back in here, there's the underlying theme that people believe or claim that more money will solve their problems. And this was my whole rationale for, one, reading this book, two, for talking about it on this podcast, because like I said, the common denominator in most of the clients that I work with is a big stressor related to finances. Whether it be a college student who is worried about student loans, a young adult who's working and raising a family, a young adult who doesn't have a family but has a ton of consumer debt, financial stress is something that most people listening to this podcast, if not all, can relate to, myself included. And so one of the myths that this book debunks is that more money will solve our problems. And the author combats that by saying, most people, given more money, only go into more debt. And we can see that with I mean they have whole TV shows about people who won the lottery and then went from being poor to being very wealthy and then within a few years they're back to being poor again because they didn't know how to manage the money and that's very true of and I can only speak of the United States but a lot of people don't have financial literacy and this is certainly not me speaking from a high horse to about everybody else, because I'm certainly in the learning process myself. So I'm right here on this journey with you. But the truth is, when people, and I can speak of my peers and family and stuff like that, when we come into more money, whether it be through a raise or um, getting another stream of income, maybe working a second job, an inheritance people tend to use that financial advantage and purchase themselves more debt. Some people might get a raise for a job and they go out and finance a new car. Well, sure, the raise helps you to make the monthly payments, but you say the raise is $5,000 a year. And so you're like, oh, I'm going to treat myself to a new car. Well, that car depending on how much it costs, is several thousand dollars. So you used a financial advantage and purchased a debt. And the book will describe that as a liability, uh, something that takes money out of your pocket. So you used a gain in money to buy something that will continue to take money from you. I've definitely done this myself. I Drive a 2019 car. I purchased it new. And I luckily, due to COVID and student loan payments being paused, I was able to quickly pay that car off in less than two years. But a lot of people will, you know, kind of think of, oh, well, I make a monthly car payment and we forget about the interest. And there's also the consumer cycle where, you know, you get something, it's shiny, it's new. And then after you kind of get used to paying for it, we're taught by advertising to upgrade, right? I know people who will lease a car for a few years and then upgrade to the newest one. And so you're constantly paying to have access to a car, but you don't own anything. We can see the same thing with like our smartphones, right? The shiny new iPhone that you get this year Advertising will be telling you next year that it's completely obsolete and that you need to ditch it to get the the newest one, which is usually just the exact same thing with a different color and maybe like another camera thrown in or something. And so that's kind of the cycle that we're in. And I'm probably going to say this a lot, but my goal here isn't to convey judgment or to. Um, speak down to anybody, because I'm definitely speaking about myself first and foremost. Um, All of these things that I'm kind of citing are things that I've done. I've definitely traded one debt for a bigger debt, and I've definitely upgraded smartphones before I actually really needed to. And so these are all things that I'm learning as I get older, and that's kind of the gist of this book, is that the more that you learn and educate yourself the better decisions you can make and we can get out of what the author calls the rat race which is basically we're working for money meaning getting up and going to our jobs to earn money. He wants people to change their perspective of obviously we need to work for money. Most of us don't have it to where we can just not work. But also making smart decisions to where you can make your money work for you. And for me, that's a new concept. I had never had any sort of investments or anything like that until literally a month ago. And so I'll share a little bit more about that. But when the author says making money work for you, that's something that's basically the opposite of the example I shared. So while some people will get a raise from work and they'll go out and buy a new car or a new smartphone or computer or something like that, those are liabilities. Those are things that will deteriorate and cost money or sit stagnant. Whereas making your money work for you is using that money to put it into something that will grow your money. And so I will get into that a little bit in just a moment. So I've kind of shared some of the big insights that I've gained from this first section of the book. And so like the author recommends, we don't just gain book knowledge and then store it away in our brain, but the best way to use knowledge to advance ourselves is to apply it. So for the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to try to give a little bit of application at the the end of each episode. So as I mentioned before, this episode's theme is not all intelligence is equal. So to recap, the author talks about the differences between book knowledge and financial knowledge. I can use myself as an example, growing up in a financially volatile upbringing where maxed out credit cards, worries about rent, and bankruptcies were kind of the norm. My examples for finances were not very good. And I just knew from a young age that I would just do the opposite. It wasn't until more recently that I realized that that upbringing, while it made me want to go in the opposite direction, which is a good thing, it also instilled a lot of fear in me surrounding money. And that's why I had mentioned earlier I hadn't, I had never had an investment account until just about a month ago. And one of my friends kind of nudged me a little bit because my idea was, well, I'll pay off my student loans, and I'll just save up money. I don't trust the stock market. It's scary. It's gambling, all of those things, right? But that is, here's the application. Not all intelligence is equal. So, what I heard growing up is the stock market is gambling. And, you know, now that I'm reading these books on finance and things like that, I'm learning that the stock market is scary. And usually fear, which is the primary emotion there, is based in ignorance or a Loss of something. And so a lot of my fear around investing money is in not knowing what I'm doing. But a quote that I use a lot in therapy and just in life in general, Dr. Justin Coulson always says that when your emotions are high, your intelligence is low. And I just got off a session with a client today, and I was talking about how if my anxiety is really high, About money and financial security, my intelligence is low, right? They kind of exist on a correlation, right? Like one is up and one is down. And as one comes down, the other one goes up, like a seesaw. And so, in me reading a book on finance, I am bringing my intelligence up, which then brings the emotions down because I'm not as ignorant or confused about things. Does that mean by reading this one book, I'm an expert on finances and investing? Hell no. I definitely still have a lot to learn. But hopefully, that application is just helpful in a a basic sense. But there's still work to be done, right? So my main liability, if we're using the terms from the book, liability, meaning something that's taking money out of your pocket, is my student loans now. And so my goal, and I'll probably continue with this example through the next few episodes, is to find new ways to reduce that liability, i.e. paying back my student loans, while also being able to make smart decisions with the income that I have so that the money is working for me. And granted, once again, reading this one book is not going to make me a Wall Street mogul or expert. but the really important thing is if you're going to learn something you're going to read about something the best way to see if it is valid is to put it into action i've been talking a lot with a friend of mine and with my accountant about kind of my plans for the next few years and so i've kind of come up with a goal of i'm going to use the next 3 to 5 years to pay off my student loans aggressively And in the meantime, because I'm a business owner, there's a lot of tax breaks for investing. So because I'm a small business owner, I can invest 20% of what I make into my retirement. And then that comes off of my tax liability. So that's one example. And then I'm really good at keeping my expenses low. So I'll do the maximum 20% to retirement while i'm paying off my student loans and then outside of expenses i put everything else towards paying off the student loans and then once that's done i'm relatively debt free and then i can put that same energy and effort into investing the dollars that i was putting towards student loans into you know that idea of making your money work for you putting it into something that it's going to grow from I'll conclude this by saying that I historically have always been skeptical and kind of cringy when it comes to American capitalism and how people carry it out. And this book is definitely not made that to go away. Um there's definitely a lot of greed and there's definitely some crooks out there. But I'm trying to take little tidbits of what I learn and apply it. So Hopefully by listening today, I've condensed this down and made it relatively user-friendly and stay tuned for the next three episodes. Remember, episode two is going to be on talking about some of the problems we have with money. Uh, Episode three is going to go into depth on some misconceptions and miseducation that a lot of us have. And then the final episode will be getting out of the rat race uh, related to money. So definitely stay tuned. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support this podcast by buying me a coffee. The link is in this episode's show notes. Thanks in advance.